It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question, veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, your host. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, FLPs, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like guardianships and probate. And now our new attorneys can handle your personal injury matter. Our staff includes attorneys Daniel Palmer, Alex Vollmer, and me. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, Material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information gathered has been reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with a prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Please help Realtor Karen Nolan and me give good information to the listeners about real estate today. Help us to use the gifts and talents that you have provided for the good of your people for our own good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, with us today is realtor extraordinaire Karen Nolan. And Karen, please uh, tell our listeners today about your background. Well, that could take an hour, but I'm only (laughs) going to take a minute. Uh, I started in real estate in 1983 in Tulsa after typing the manuscript of a book my mother wrote called Real Estate Success Habits. And I said, oh my goodness, I was born to do this. And I truly believe I was born to do this. This is my mission. So I started in Tulsa. We moved to Corpus Christi in January of 1984, and I spent time getting my Texas license and was licensed in January of 85 in Texas. And we moved to San Antonio 
in June of 85, and I've basically been with the same company since then. It was Guy Chipman Company, which had been in business since 1946, and they sold the company to Deanne Harper in 2002, and I'm still there and uh, loving my job as much today as I did when I wrote to my mother and Uh said, I have to do this. And she wrote the book. She wrote the book, (laughs) Real Estate Success Habits, A Five-Week Career Guide. Okay. Everything you needed to know to start. And I just did everything the book said. We moved here. I didn't know a soul. And uh, I have, I think in the 35 years, I've been in the top 20 of my company every year. So I was, on, I was on a fast track, slow track now, but it's the same track to do the best I could do. Okay. Well, tell us about some of your credentials. Well, in real estate, you have to be well-trained or it'll catch up with you. So uh, I have uh, several degree, several uh, accreditations, uh, um, a buyer's agent, uh, accredited buyer's representative, graduate of the Realtors Institute, um, certified uh, real estate broker, CRS, it's called, certified residential specialist. And those things are just added added education so I can help people more. You were going to take those classes anyway, just so exactly. you could stay up to date. Exactly. It's very important uh, to know what you're doing. And the the market is full of agents that don't know what they're doing. And I'm always happy when they get me on the other side because I can help them. And they appreciate it. I don't get mad. I don't say things that uh, make them feel bad. I try to uh, always tell the truth attractively and be tactful and use it as a learning experience for them and for me also. That's great. That's a a good way to approach any situation, any personal relationship. How has uh, COVID affected your work this time? Well, it's quite, uh, I'm still in shock over it. Uh, I always take people in my car. I don't, I'm one of these people that I don't like to have them follow me because I want to know what they're thinking and I ask questions. But since COVID, no one has been in my car. Uh, They do follow me. And when I show a house, I open the door for them and then they go through the house and I try to stay at the front door if it's vacant. Um, If it's not vacant, I wear gloves and I open all the doors for them and they're very appreciative of that. Uh, And I just try to stay back as much as I can. But my work this year has been unbelievably good. Uh, Everything I've had has sold immediately. We have no inventory. The market is up 12% from a year ago. Uh, the listings are way down, and they're staying on the market. A day or two, the ones uh-huh. I've had, uh, they sell. They have uh, multiple offers. They're selling for more than they're listed for, which is real tricky because appraisers are very conservative here, mm-hmm. and they don't like to price a house uh, 
or appraise it for more than it was listed for. So you have to be very careful and knowledgeable of the market to know if it's going to appraise. But it's been uh, it's been quite a ride this last six months that I didn't expect at all. Why do you think that the market is so good right now? I don't know. I, I think one of the biggest things is that there's no inventory. So, you know, in life, someone is always buying a house and someone is always selling a house and there's always people moving. And right now, there just aren't enough houses to go around. So it has started this uh, clamoring to get the only house out there. Uh, I'll do a market analysis of a neighborhood and there won't be any houses in that subdivision for sale. Uh, or if there is, uh, and they've been on the market longer than 30 days, the question is, what's wrong with it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite interesting. Okay. So you've been in San Antonio for a long time. We won't beat that uh, again. Um, but tell us about your community involvement. Well, uh, for several years, I was the co-coordinator for a, uh, a group here called Snack Pack for Kids, which started in Amarillo. And uh, we make uh, and supply snack packs to be put uh, very discreetly in the children's backpack on Fridays for them to take home for the weekend and to avoid weekend hunger. And uh, that has been a very, very helpful uh, program here in San Antonio. And it's only uh, funded by people, not any, any groups, uh, no national organizations. But we feed over 3,500 kids every wow. week this year. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. This is Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And we're going to take a short break and we'll come back and Karen will tell us uh, about the advantages and disadvantages of having a doorbell camera on your home when it's up for sale. So stay tuned. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back. It's Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. And we'd like to hear a call or two. Uh, if you have a question about real estate in San Antonio, give us a call here at the station. We're live today. The number is 210-308-8867. That's 210-308-8867. And you can ask Karen Nolan a question about residential real estate in San Antonio, or you can ask me a question 
about real estate law. So next, we're going to talk about the doorbell camera. Karen, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of having a doorbell camera when you're trying to sell your home? Well, there is absolutely nothing wrong with having a video uh, recording uh, of who walks onto your property and what's going on in your house. However, um, it needs to be silent. Um, Buyers expect an expectation of privacy. Um, You can record... Most most security cameras have have a camera in the foyer or something like that, or people walking up to the door. But um, a seller cannot, or anyone, you can, you can, you can, you can't covertly record something. So they have to be able to see the camera. It's got to be out in the open. Well, I, I'm talking about audio right now. Okay. Uh, the, so no audio. Uh, yeah. The Texas Penal Code prohibits audio recordings, this is kind of interesting, without the consent of one individual. Huh. Right. Who, who is part of the conversation? That's the key. So uh, a seller's not going to be part of the conversation. Oh, I see. If a buyer and their realtor are in a home. So that is illegal. Um and you can't do that, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, so you need to be very careful, but no recordings of any kind if you are not a part of it. So uh, buyers expect some privacy. So you need to turn those cameras, the sound off anyway. Right. That's the biggest. Uh, the The sight, the visual is okay, but not uh-huh. the sound. Okay, so that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yes. And maybe not everybody knows that. Exactly. And the if if a professional has installed your security system, they know the law and they will talk to you about it. But if a do it yourselfer and Best Buy has a great, you know, mm-hmm. display of all kinds of cameras and recording and usually people don't know the law. So you need to make sure you're not breaking the law if your house is for sale. I thought you were going to say something about um, if you are recording and you don't like the way somebody looks, then you might get in trouble for discrimination. Oh, well, you know, that goes without saying, but that's all taken care of in the listing agreements. You know, oh, they okay. have they have to I've had people say I don't want so and so and so and so and I just say that's impossible. You can't do that. Uh-huh. Um and uh if you want to do that, you need to hire somebody else. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, or sell it yourself, but we can't do that. So, okay, anything else about the doorbell camera surveillance that you wanted to say? Uh, well, I had one instance where my seller heard the realtor bad mouthing the seller. Uh, saying this person must be a maniac for security and they must be crazy because they've got cameras everywhere. And and she heard him. She was down the street or Mm -hmm. she could have been on the moon and heard him. And she said that the realtor was never to come in her house again. And I was to tell him. So I did. So I think he learned a lesson. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. (laughs) Because you But it was still illegal. Well. To record the sound. He shouldn't, exactly, yeah. 
but he it was on. So yeah. He was more embarrassed, I think. Yeah, that's so interesting. You see a lot of people on TV, uh, the news reporters or the president who accidentally leaves a microphone on when they're in the restroom or something exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it... You don't even think about that, things you don't even think of, uh, but that will draw you t- to mind to keep your mouth shut because it, people may have them on and you don't know it. So I always tell people just to be quiet in the house if there's a security system. Well, my mamma, my mom's mom used to say, if you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything <laughs> That's at exactly all. exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so that's the the camera issue. Um you were telling me about something innovative that Coldwell Bankers and Deanne Harper is doing. That's your broker, right? <clears throat> That's my broker, yes. Um, we have started a program uh, called Revitalize, and it's just was kicked off the end of August and September, uh, whereby if a seller needs in the uh, – in the realtor's opinion, to do some fix-up to their house and they don't have the money, uh, there is a way, a program, that the realtor can use uh, the funds up to, and I don't know all the rules, but up to the amount of the agent's commission to fix up the house, whether that be flooring, uh, painting, cleanup, staging of a vacant house, whatever it takes. And in other places where this has been done, the houses are selling 25% faster and for more money that are fixed up. And the seller does not have to pay the money back until closing. And uh, it's a very popular program for many people that need to sell but uh, are in a situation where their house is in a depressed state and needs help. So it's a great way to offer something like that to people. We also are involved in Home Partners of America, and uh, that's a program where you actually lease a house to own it. And you lease a house that Home Partners has bought for you to live in until you could buy it. And uh There's lots of parts to that program, but it's another way for people with a low credit score at the time uh, to get into a home. Uh, We also have a program of exclusive look where our agents in my company can share with each other homes that are not on the market yet but are coming, which uh, the National Association of Realtors has made uh, against the rules for you to share upcoming listings with people that are not in your brokerage. So this is different. What your broker does, that's allowed. Yes. You can tell everybody that works that is a Cobble Banker agent about listings, but not – you can't put it uh, – I have a private listing that I'll tell you about, Mr. It's sort of like insider trading. Exactly. Right, right. right. And the National Association – I guess that was a big problem in different parts of the country. Uh, So they just put a stop to it. And if you're not up to date on the laws uh, and uh, you are a part-time agent that doesn't read all the rules, you could get in trouble. 
So how are you different and how is uh, your broker different when it comes to education? Well, we have, uh, number one, we have the most advanced training I've ever seen, and it's continual every week. And this COVID thing has really brought it to mind because we have one, two, three, or four Zoom meetings every week of training different aspects of the business. Uh, we had a series of special speakers all summer um, that came in from, you know, national. You could do a lot with Zoom because yeah. it's free, uh, but a lot of the education, and uh, it's constant education uh, with Caldwell Banker, with Deanne Harper, and that is, um, I'm very proud of that fact that you can, and even other agents will say they have, they're happy to work with a Caldwell Banker agent because they know that they know what they're doing. Yeah, that's a great reputation to have. Yeah, I think so too. Because there are lots of new internet companies popping up where they say they can sell your house or they can buy your house and you don't have to hire a realtor. Yes, it's really, it's it's all well and good. You know, it's kind of like everything's fun and games until somebody gets poked in the eye. <laughs> so uh, I, if I were you, I would use a professional. Uh, yeah, there's that old saying that uh, if you think hiring a professional is expensive, try doing it without one. Yeah, that's a good one. I have <laughs> to remember that one. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about... Uh, the the doorbell we've talked about the uh, the state of the market a little bit and we're going to talk about some of the legal issues that come up with real estate uh, you can just imagine that real estate touches all the areas of the law even the penal code when it comes to recording somebody's voice so we'll talk about probate and guardianship and homestead and power of attorney um, there are some uh, instances when a realtor will uh, call my office or have their client call our office, and a lot of time it's after somebody has passed away. Have you had those questions come up, Karen? Oh, oh yes. That is probably one of the number one issues people do not understand probate. They do not understand the laws concerning selling property of a deceased person. Uh, and, and I think it's very important that a realtor know, first of all, know what you don't know, but know who to go to to get the right answers. Well, and I tell people that when you sell your own house, you sign the deed. But when a deceased person has a house in their estate, who signs the deed? Well, that's really what probate's for, is to decide who has authority to convey the house, who has authority to sell the house. And the probate process is the legal process for deciding who has that authority. Um, because there's a lot of valuable assets that could be transferred after a person passes away, and we have to make sure that the right person is doing it so that uh, the right people benefit, beneficiaries of the estate or beneficiaries of the trust, and we don't want to leave that to chance. And the reason that the probate court gets involved 
um, is because they they have specialized knowledge. Now, not all counties have a designated probate court. Um, I think it's only the counties with more than two million people. Mm. Um, so the smaller counties, they will have their county court at law judge or county court judge uh, doing the probate along with lots of other things. And so we're blessed here in Bear County to have two probate judges. And so that makes things go a little bit quicker um, because they have a whole system and process for processing things. So when we come back from our next break, we'll talk about uh, what it's like to sell a house if there is a will, what it's like to sell a house if there's no will, and what it's like to sell a house if the owner is incapacitated, that is, substantially unable to manage their own financial affairs because of some medical diagnosis or medical condition. And if you have a question about those things, give us a call here at the station. We're live today. You can reach us at 210-308-8867. This is Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio with Realtor Karen Nolan. Uh, We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And we're here with realtor Karen Nolan, who has been telling us about the residential real estate market, some innovations with her broker, Deanne Harper Coldwell Banker, and about the doorbell camera, some interesting things that we found out about that. Now we're going to talk about what it's like to sell uh, when somebody's incapacitated or after they've passed away. Karen, tell me what you know about letters testamentary. I'll tell. I'll finish the story, but I wanted to hear what your thoughts were well, about that. Well, I told Todd before this program started that I wanted to talk about this because I don't know what they are, and so I know that. Uh, that children or spouses or relatives of people that die don't know what they are. And the word is letters testamentary. And it's one page, and it's always a nice shade of green. Uh, and I guess it says who the executor is. But I know that that's important. And I tell people that, and I've had many, many that argue with me and say, he had a will, or she had a will, mm-hmm. so I don't need to do this. And so I tell the truth attractively, and I just say, well, why don't you just check with an attorney and uh, see for sure what you need? Because that person is not alive anymore to sell their house. And every time they go, gosh, Karen, you were right. And I just want to go, okay. Told you so. <laughs> <laughs> don't say I told you so. But I don't understand what what it is either, but I know it's required. Well, you hit the nail on the head. All, all of that's true. I had a client one time. Uh, she came in because her husband didn't have a beneficiary designation on her IRA, and so the financial services company wrote her a letter and said, 
you need letters testamentary. But what she told my receptionist was, I need the attorney to write me a letter. (laughs) And so I didn't find out. I kind of thought that that's maybe what was happening. But when I met with her, I said, let me see that letter that you got. And it said letters testamentary. And I said, really, it's not a letter. It's an official court document that kind of looks like a death certificate. Like you said, it's on official uh, nice paper mm-hmm. with a yes. green shade to it. And that is where the it, it says who the executor is or the administrator of the estate in Texas. Those are the terms that we use. And other states like New Mexico, they say personal representative. It means the same thing, the person that's allowed to uh, act on behalf of the estate. So, But the word testamentary, if you open up your Bible, <laughs> they were using that word way back then, too. It, it means after death. So oh. Oh. that's where okay. it comes from. Oh, I had no idea. But it also means that there was a writing. So you only get letters testamentary if you were named the executor in a will. So you have to have a will in right. order for there to be letters testamentary. If you don't have a will, you still might be able to get things done through the probate court, but you might be the administrator. So that lets you know whether the person was named in a document or whether the court had to, um, by court order, decide who was going to do it. Mm. And so probate is really a spectrum of things that you do to get things done after somebody passes away. It can be super simple, or it can be very complicated. And when you have a will that names the executor, it's better, it's easier. I but understand. I, I did meet somebody who had a will, but it was so short that it left out a lot of things. And one of the things that makes it more difficult if you if you make it that short is the power to sell property. So when you have a will that's good, it'll say that the executor has the power to sell property. Otherwise, what the executor is supposed to do is just transfer title from the deceased person to the beneficiaries. So if you have five kids, then mm-hmm. they're all going to be uh, receiving one-fifth of that property. You see any issues with that, Karen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I've had them where uh, the children start fighting, uh, and I deserve more than you, and it, it can be a mess, which all I tell people is if you don't have a will, get one. Mm-hmm. Because it's extremely important, even for a married couple with their children. You know what happens to the children. There's just so much that goes into that, and people say I don't like to talk about that. Well, guess what? You know, uh, you need to. And this year of 2020, I think there are probably a lot of wills being drawn up mm-hmm. that they never thought of before. But it's very important. And uh, I had a situation. This summer where uh, a friend of mine sold a property that was her dad's. Actually, it was both parents. And uh, the dad died. And 
that she became the owner of the property, and the title company called me when I asked them to do a title search just to make sure everything was done properly before we listed the house. And her mother's name was still on the deed as an owner, and she had died five years previous. And the real the attorney for her did not catch that, and so she was an only child. But she had to get letters. Uh, she had to get uh, affidavit of airships from friends mm-hmm. uh, because it was five years ago, right? And the statute of limitation for probate is four years, right? So you had to do something else. But I wanted to go back to you said get a will. Right. Well, even some of my clients have ideas that we end up not putting in the will because you don't want to make things uh, worse by the way that you distribute things. So having my clients have me to talk through those issues, we talk about tax efficiency, we talk about family dynamics and, and reducing family conflict and how to maximize government benefits. So if you just write a will, even if you use all the right words, there still might be a better way to write it. And so that's what I have seen the benefit for having a professional attorney draft the will. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing is that married people think that just because they're married that their spouse gets title on the house you know, after the first spouse passes away. But as you described, it's not automatic. Even if your spouse is going to inherit the property, either by will or by the intestacy statute, it's still not automatic. There has to be something done to transfer the title, either by will or by executor's deed or by court-ordered determination of heirship. Um, But something's got to happen. Gone are the days when uh, society viewed husband and wife as one individual. Now we have to make it clear that title transferred from one spouse to the other. So another issue that I have seen, even if all of the beneficiaries love each other dearly and agree that they're going to uh, split everything evenly, um... They always argue about, uh, should I sell the house as is, or should we fix it up? (laughs) Right? That's right. That's right. That's right. And then everybody has their own idea about that, and their spouse has their own idea about that. But if you have an executor, the executor is the decision maker. They can decide one way or the other. The other issue that I see a lot is... Which realtor do we use? That's exactly right. And I've been, I've been in all those positions. And uh, I end up just saying, leave me out of it. Leave me out of it a lot. Uh, but I would hope that people would uh, be intelligent enough to choose someone that knows what they're doing or at least knows the questions to ask to guide the people to know what they're doing. Uh, it, it can really be very, very stressful. It can be delayed over and over again. 
And uh, if you just take care of business before somebody dies, it really helps a lot. So if you don't have a will or you don't have uh, the power to sell the property, you can ask the probate court for an order to order that the property be sold. And there's a whole big process. You have to file an application. You have to tell the probate court what are the assets of the estate, what are the bills that are due. And then the court will have a hearing and issue a court order. Um, But not before you send citation to everybody that might be interested. It's even more complicated for guardianship. So we'll talk about that after the break. And then we will also talk about legacy. And if we have time, we'll circle back around to some other interesting issues that come up in real estate with estate planning, like using a living trust or a power of attorney. This is your host, Todd Marquardt, Talk Law Radio. Stay tuned. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquart Law Firm. MarquartLawFirm.com. Welcome back. It's Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquart, on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, live today. And if you have a question, we might be able to get to you. Uh, the number is 210-308-8867. I'm here with Karen Nolan, realtor for DN Harper, Coldwell Banker uh, Real Estate. And we're talking about probate and guardianship. And I was just talking about how the spouse inherits property, either by will or otherwise. And... Uh, one thing that I tell the surviving spouse is, hey, nobody's going to kick you out. You can live there. But if you ever want to sell the property, that's where you're going to have trouble. And if you don't take care of this now, somebody down the road is going to have to take care of this for you. So do you want to make things easy for them or do you want to make things easy for you? So one of those uh, parties that usually lets people know that something has to be done is the title company. Karen, what is your experience with title companies and probate? Well, they're the ones that actually find out who's who, and very often that's different from what you are told by the person trying to sell the house. Uh, There could be a child they've disowned. There could be uh, a fight with a relative, uh, all kinds of situations. Uh, I had a situation a few years ago where the realtor didn't even realize that 
There was a grandmother who had died two years before that was an owner of the house that she had listed. And my assistant actually discovered it. She said, Karen, I think you better ask because there's somebody else on this tax record. Uh, And it had never gone through probate, and they didn't think they even needed to. So that was a situation. But the title company searches uh, through all of the owners and uh, tries to make sure that there's nobody going to come up and cause problems, and then they issue title insurance. Now, in Texas, it's, I guess, pretty much a, an insurance state where they mm-hmm. an owner's policy of title insurance is issued. Uh, years ago, we lived in New Jersey, and they did title searches. And I think even in Oklahoma, they did title searches, which I guess they do that here before they issue the insurance, but not all states... Uh, as a rule, uh, sell insurance, but the title companies here in Texas do. It's really an insurance company. Exactly. And it's it's governed by the insurance, uh, whoever the insurance board is. <laughs> right. Uh, and the amount of the policy is based on the price of the house. And so the buyer, it's in their best interest, it's in the buyer's best interest to get title insurance so that they can make sure that the owner really owns it. Exactly. And traditionally, in Texas, the seller pays for that. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't have to be that way, but that's the tradition. Um, And that's a pretty costly uh, item for the closing. And then the buyer has to pay for a title policy for the lender to ensure that the lender, the lender wants to make sure that they uh, are insured for the title. So, so just for you who don't know how all this title business works, um, Texas is a recording statute, which means that uh, if you want your deed to be uh, recognized, it has to be recorded in the real property records. So each deed is a link in the chain of title. And when somebody passes away, you have to file something somewhere so that people know that title has transferred. And if somebody passes away and nothing's ever filed, then that's when things get confusing. I've also had situations, as you say that, where people have paid off their property, but they never got the release. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's a mess because the title company discovers that there's a loan out there. Right. And the people say, well, I paid it off two years ago or five years ago or ten years ago. Well, where's the release? That, well, was, that was never uh But if, if you can filed. track down the lender you, and you notify them that you need a release, they're obligated by law to yes, provide it. Yes, but in the – Years that I've been in this business, there have been a lot of lenders that have come and gone, and banks. Remember back? Well, you were weren't even alive. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, that was before <laughs> long time, my time ago, before your time. Uh, the lenders disappeared, the mortgage companies disappeared, and the people have been in a mess. But I've had those situations too. So, just to know people, to know questions to ask people when they're getting ready to sell their house is so important. So that all that comes up before, uh, before it's 
in the state of being ready to be closed. Yeah. You know, take care of business. The other issue is if I'm still alive, but I'm suffering from heart attack or stroke or Alzheimer's or dementia, and I don't understand what I'm signing, could my house be sold? Well, the answer is yes, only if there's somebody that can stand in my shoes to sell it. So a power of attorney can do that if it's a good power of attorney, if it was signed at the right time in the right way. Yeah, I know that there's a durable power of attorney. Right. And I've also had wives have husbands who are in Iraq, Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. and the title company has had to find that spouse and make sure that that power of attorney was still valid at yeah, the day of closing. They just have to call them. But, yeah. So there has to be some kind of a, a power of attorney with a person that uh, is incapable of making the decision. Right. That's but a different have, kind of power of attorney. Well, you have to sign it ahead of time. Right. Okay. Yeah, but what makes it durable is it survives your incapacity. Th- that's okay. Back in the old mm-hmm. days, you couldn't have a power of attorney uh, if you lost capacity because the agent could only do what the principal could do. And if the principal couldn't sign anything anymore, then the agent couldn't sign either. Ah. But there were so many guardianships that the legislatures all across the country said, no, we'll, we'll allow you to make this power of attorney durable and it'll be good still if you're incapacitated. But... You have to sign it before you fall down, before you have a heart attack or a stroke, before you develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Or else you're going to need guardianship. Uh, I met somebody one time, and uh, I said, did your dad do power of attorney? She said, oh, yeah, she he had a, a very professional estate plan done, um, but... He has Alzheimer's, and uh, I found him upstairs shredding the whole estate plan. <laughs> and so oh she my. had to oh get my. guardianship so she could sell the house because they needed money to take care of him. Okay, this is our last few minutes of the last segment. And remember, Karen, Marquardt Law Firm sponsors the show. And at Marquardt Law Firm, we do last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. And with that, we always talk about legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? Well, before I answer that question, I want to just say that I have used you in the past to help friends of mine that didn't know um, where to start. uh, And... I give your name out to people, and I just want you to know that uh, your reputation precedes you, and I'm happy to have you help me. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, But my legacy, uh, Todd asked me this before the show, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And I told a little story about my grandson drew a picture uh, that we kept. I don't know what Tom did with it, but it's a picture of who tells you about Jesus And he drew a picture of me, and that was his grandmother tells him about Jesus. And actually, I think that's what I want my legacy to be, that people know who I am and what I believe 
and uh, who I strive to be in my life. And uh, hopefully that'll be good and loving. And Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. It, it's good to share the good news, especially with our family. We have to start with them so that we can see them in heaven. That's right. I also had a grandparent uh, share their faith and testimony with me. My, my grandfather, I was asking him um, about politics. I was just a little kid, but I said, Granddad, are you going to run for office? And he said, no. I'm not at all interested in doing that. The only things that are important in my life, this is what he said, is my family and my faith. And he said, if I have those two things, I have everything. And so I hope my kids, too, will remember me the same way. Um, Thomas told somebody one time that I was a serious man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It would have been... Better, I would have felt better if he would have said, Dad is a religious man. <laughs> so maybe I'll change my reputation. Seriously religious. <laughs> yeah. I never really viewed myself that way, but hey, kids are are very observant people. They do, and they see things. Uh, and that's what I tell a lot of young mothers and fathers, is your kids, you think they don't know what's going on, but they do, mm-hmm. believe me. So... You also wanted to mention something that the federal government knows is going on. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, lead paint. Yes. Um, this You think that you know this, but there is a form that has to be signed on every real estate transaction for a house built before 1978 uh, that there might or might not be lead-based paint in it. All the parties to the transaction have to sign it, including the real estate agents. And this is a federal law. And if a realtor does not sign that form, they can get a $10,000 fine or a year in jail. So the feds have moved into the realm of real estate. So be careful that you take care of business and let the uh, realtors take care of you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Karen. I hope that the listeners have learned something about doorbells and audio recordings and lead-based paint and also some programs that they might benefit from if they want to buy a house, but they're having some trouble. Thank you, Todd. Thanks a lot for having me today. You're welcome. This is your host, Todd Marquardt of Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Uh, Tune in next week. We'll be here again. Thanks.